Good morning, New City. How are you? Good. Perfect. So my name is Chris Nosworthy, and I'm also a member here. Um, and I have the privilege of being able to uh, walk side by side with us um, as we uh, progress through the upcoming weeks um, and as we enter this time of transition um, in our church. Uh, for those that do know me, um, know that I travel a little bit around the world, and I travel to Africa um, a lot, um, and I have a little story that I wanted to start us out with, um, and something that despite its simplicity, uh, it has a depth of meaning that I think um, is good for us this morning. So, the story goes, every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. It must outrun the fastest lion, or it will be killed. Every morning, a lion wakes up. It must outrun the slowest gazelle, or starve. Now, it doesn't matter whether you are a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you had better be running. So, I think that's a good word for us this morning. Um, as the sun rises uh, on us on this new day, as we step into whatever that God is preparing for us, um, we better be running. Because if we are just waiting, if we have the thinking that we can just wait for God to reveal Himself to us, we're going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. I'm not going to be prepared. I'm going to be caught out or I'm going to be left behind. We'd better be running. So this morning, I wanted to start out with the thought of who we are. And I want to thank Stephen for getting up and sharing this morning a little bit about himself and how he found New City um, and what it's meant to him. Over the coming weeks, we will hear from some other members of the community because I think it's important to understand that a piece in all of this is who we are as a community. Now, for me, we can mean a lot of things. We are husbands, we are wives, we are parents, we are spouses, we are singles, we are brothers, we are sisters. We are New City Covenant Church. Um, we are sinners and we are saved through our Savior, Jesus Christ. But we have also accepted the ways of the world in now that we, that we live. And truth be told, we are in danger of living like the gazelle and running away in fear when we should actually be the lion. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 18, there's a little back and forth conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples around the idea of who do the people say that I am? Um, and Jesus asked, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, for me, the key part in all of this, Jesus is not saying that we can defend ourselves against hell. He is saying that hell cannot defend itself against us, 
Listen again at the end. For on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. We can get it the wrong way around. We see things through a framework, through a lens that can make us cower, that can make us back away. We are sometimes not living the way that we are meant to live. We can so often live with a poverty mentality where we are saying, poor is me. We look at what the world is doing to me instead of saying, look what I must be doing back into the world. Now, I've been thinking a lot about transition recently. The emotion, the loss, the hope, the change, the questioning, the refining. And the phrase that stuck with me was, who we are. And I wanted to celebrate that as we move into what God is calling us to. Now, I'm not asking the question, who are we? Because we can default to that very quickly. But who we are and understanding what God has put together in this place, understanding how He has blessed us in this space and continues to bless us. The foundation that we have through faith in Jesus Christ, the big victories, the failings and the falling short, all of these are amongst our story. And what a time to celebrate who we are. One of the things that we are is a people who are gathered together as a church in this place, in a place of connection with each other and with God, in a place where we can grow spiritually, in a place where we can learn what it is to truly serve each other. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to be sharing who we are around the values or the things that we value in this place. We are going to be hearing some testimonies and some stories, and I invite you to enjoy those, but to also take it as encouragement to step forward into the hope of Jesus for our community and for our future. So let me open um, us in prayer. Father, I know that as your words are going to flow through us in these next few minutes, that you will open our hearts to hear you. Help us to understand your connection and your intimacy. Help us to appreciate what it is that we have together because this is who we are in this place. Bless this to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I have a little confession as we start. Um, I really like chick flicks. I like romance movies, um, Serendipity, Notting Hill, uh, 13 Going on 30. Uh, some of those are my favorites. Uh, ask Meg, she'll confirm all of this for you. Um, they're the types of movies that you know what the story's going to be before kind of you ever see the whole thing. Um, Mr. Right meets Miss Right. Um, they fall in love. Oftentimes it happens at night and there's a time crunch. One of them has to be leaving the city or something. Uh, but then they experience a crisis and they get torn apart and somebody has to make a decision. Um, and before you know it, somebody's made a sacrifice and then they make up and kiss and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> and it's always the same. Um, but I like these movies because they speak to the human desire of longing for that romantic love. Um, however, 
I know that if we were to experience the romantic love from the movies, we would never find total satisfaction. We never see what happens after it says the end when they move into the real world. Because romantic love is not the highest aspiration for mankind. It's not what we are called to find fulfillment in alone. If it were, then there would be a Bible verse like Hezekiah 16.5, which states, Loving romantically is your highest command. But don't worry, Hezekiah is not a book in the Bible. I just made it up. It's not actually there, so don't write that down. Instead, we are called to love God most of all. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. In His love, that's where we find our fulfillment. And when we listen to or read Psalm 139, we can find a very special sentiment in that psalm. It strikes at our hearts with rawness of its beautiful truth. There's something from David that speaks to our inmost parts of who we are. You see, David's not speaking a Christianish language. He's not writing this to us to try and prove something. No, we are invited in that one psalm to share with him his intimate conversation with God, the conversation of connection. The psalm grabs at us because it reflects the experience of a relationship with God that is spoken through intimacy. We hear the words, verse 1, you know me. Verse 3, you are familiar with all my ways. Verse 13, you created my inmost being. And we stop and we think about the beauty and the surprise Because, of course, God knows who I am. God knows everything about me. We understand that He created my inmost being, but we also have the shock that comes from the uneasiness of being completely known. Yeah, He does know everything about me. He knows what I'm about to do with what is in front of me when I'm still questioning whether I'll take it up, whether I'll leave it behind, whether I'll speak those words that are in my heart, or whether I'll leave them out. Being known means that we are exposed and we're vulnerable. There is no privacy, but isn't that what intimacy is truly about? And the amazing thing is that intimacy, this intimacy with God, is available to each and every one of us. That we can be close, that we can be known, that we can be understood. So let's think about that connection for a moment. Intimacy. What is intimacy? What is intimacy? Anybody? Closeness? Being known. Intimacy is what we call the experience of knowing and being known. It's being close to somebody. But often, we use spatial language to describe it. We say that an intimate friend is someone we feel very close to, that they know us at a deep level. 
And if something were to happen that damaged that intimacy with our friend, we say that we now feel distant. Or a person who doesn't know us intimately only knows us at a superficial level. We use spatial language when we try to describe that intimacy, but in fact, intimacy is not spatial, it's relational. We know what it's like to sit next to somebody and feel incredibly distant. We know what it's like to be so far away from somebody but feel so close. Because we're talking about relationships on a general level, and we know that each is different, but common to all is trust. We can't be intimate with a person that we don't trust. It doesn't work that way. Because trust is at the heart of that intimacy. Our experience of God's nearness or distance is not a description of His proximity. God is intimate with those who trust Him. And the more we trust Him, the more intimately we then become to know Him. And we can see this even more clearly in the times that we feel distance. Often these times are due to a break in trust that we've caused, where we've stepped away, where we fail to honor that which He has entrusted to us. Who we are in this place, we are a group of people raw in our faith. We are a group of people trying to understand what this asks of us and how we live it out. Some of you have lived this for many, many years. Others are just stepping in and trying to figure out what this asks. And even though who we are in this place right now is not a complete people, We have some people here that are worshiping in person. We have some people streaming online. We have some people that will be catching up on this next week or in two weeks and will be following up later. Who knows, maybe a month down the line. We are currently in a transitional state as a church and as a people. There are a lot of questions. The future may not seem fully clear or the path look completely visible. But here we are, and there is joy in being together. And the joy of being together is very, very real. You know, there is a beautiful little verse in Psalm seventy-three twenty-eight that says, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my refuge. And the sad thing is that we often seek that nearness to God in ways that actually don't produce it. We have the craving, but we can often go after it in inappropriate ways. One common mistake is thinking that nearness to God can be achieved through the accumulation of knowledge. If I learn more, if I read more, if I give myself to the study and the depth of all of that, well, surely I'm going to be closer to God. Now, of course, to intimately know God is to know crucial things about God. And Jesus does say in John chapter 8, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
And we have to explore that and to appreciate that. But never in history has so much knowledge been available as it is today. We have Bible translations, we have good books to read, we have insightful articles, we have recorded sermons, we have interviews, we have podcasts, we have movies, we have documentaries, we have music. More and more and more and more. And to prove my point even further, all of that can be found on one little device in your pocket. We don't even have to physically go anywhere. We don't even have to wait for the library or the store to open up in regular business hours. We can find any of those things at any time of the day from any comfort zone. You could do it at midnight in your bed if you really wanted to. And while all of this is good, yet we find ourselves in a more pivotal period than any time in our history. In the United States, Church membership is now, for the first time in recorded history, below the majority at 47%. The number has declined 23% over the last 20 years. We may ask ourselves, why are we seeing this trend? There's more information, there's more truth, there's more knowledge. But we can relate it to what I had mentioned before. Knowledge is not synonymous with trust. We are in the midst of the information age, yet the church is being seen as in decline. We are in the midst of the technology and connection age, yet people are feeling more disconnected from each other than ever. This is why Jesus said to the religious leaders of the day, those who possess the absolute knowledge of Scripture... He says to them in John chapter 5, 39, You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. This was going on back then as it is now. You think that by knowledge you will have eternal life. Biblical knowledge is only true wealth when it fuels our trust in God, because then it fuels our intimacy with God. But when biblical knowledge replaces that trust, all it does is fuel our pride. There are too many people in too many churches who are pride-filled because they can quote the Scriptures back, but they don't live the truth of it. And they are not close to God as a result of it. Another common mistake that's made is trying to achieve intimacy with God through subjective experiences. If we do things in a certain way, if we put on a performance, if we entertain, if we have the bright lights, if we have the show happening, then obviously God is going to want to be a part of that. Isn't that what you do? But the truth is, if we trust God, there's actually going to be countless settings that will encourage our intimacy with Him. But none of them, in and of themselves, possess the power to summon God's nearness. And that's why I love New City, 
because that is something that I know is at our core. That is who we are. The people, the community, soul food, the kids playing, the community garden, couples groups, connect groups. None of these are reliant on physical settings or subjective experiences. We can create all the atmosphere that we would like, but if our hearts are not after it, there is no point. Yet, we can have the simplest of settings and intimacy can be achieved. Who we are in this place is not about entertainment, but at the same time, we do want to express ourselves well. So how do we find that? Well, think of it like this. Back to my romantic movies. There's a candlelight dinner. There's music playing in the background. There's flowers on the table. You'd think that that would have the power to create intimacy, right? Unfortunately not. Those things in and of themselves cannot breach the distance of intimacy. They can encourage intimacy. They can encourage the current state of love and trust, which is being known. Yes, these things can help, absolutely, just like worship music can help prepare our hearts to listen to God's voice. Just like a church retreat setting can provide us with an opportunity to be close to others in a similar setting. But those things alone cannot breach that gap for us. When God sees someone whose heart fully trusts His promises and seeks to do the best to live by those promises, He is the one that steps closer to us. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to Him. That's what God is seeking to do, to strengthen us. He's looking to strengthen us. He is looking for us to step close to Him, to trust Him. And what a beautiful thought that is. God wants that intimacy with us, with you, with me. And back to Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Verse 3, you are familiar with all my ways. Verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And verse 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. God is the one who has done all the hard work to make our connection with him possible. All he asks of us is that we would believe in him and trust him with all our hearts. And this is our challenge today. The challenge is to let go, is to surrender, to find ourselves empty before a holy God so that He would fill us. 
What's the challenge to New City? And I believe that God is inviting us into intimacy this week. Not that we would take the responsibility of filling ourselves up and stacking up things in our own heart and our own life, but that we would allow Him to be the one to fill us with Himself. God is inviting us to enjoy this intimacy. Make the time. Dedicate a space and be still in that. But truthfully speaking, for me, and probably for you too, this is very likely to be an invitation that will be met with some self-centeredness hesitancy. It's not within us naturally to want to give over to other people. We always want to do it ourselves. What steps can I take? What can I do? And what's more, our hesitancy is often a result of the storms in our life in which we must trust Him the most. Meg and I were able to go to a drive-in concert last night. It's our first date night in about a year, which was nice. Uh, I was casting crowns at the fairgrounds. Uh, It was a nice, fun experience. And one of their songs that they played at the beginning Um, especially in the context of this morning, um, had me thinking. Um, And you might know the song, you might know the lyrics, but the song goes, In the storm is where you'll find me, and where you are, I'll hold your heart. Come to me, find your rest in the arms of the God who won't let go. You're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held If your eyes are on the storm, you will wonder if I still love you. But if your eyes are on the cross, you'll know that I always have and I always will. In the context of this morning, that was so powerful. So with that, I ask you to look around. When you catch up with somebody today after the service ends, in person here, online, in the chat, later in the week by phone or text, know that this is who we are in this place. We are a people who might have storms raging. And we are a people who need each other. But we are a community with our eyes on the cross, seeking to be intimate with God. God has put us together We are God's people, connecting with the Lord of all creation, asking Him to lead us deeper and deeper into His promises, and we get to do that together. So let's celebrate that. Let's connect as God intends us to do. Let's honor Him, and let's recognize that we will find that fillness that keeps spurring us on to a brighter future. Let's pray. Father, as we just think of what it is to be Your people, we know, Lord, that the promises You make are complete. They are sufficient. They are full. They are rich. They are joy-filled. They are hope-filled. 
And Father, as we think of those things and offer ourselves to You, we do so in the simplicity of trust. We don't understand it all, but we know You are the one who seeks to guide us. Father, help us to appreciate what that asks and to give ourselves to You. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.